what I can start. Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to uh, the Vineyard Community Church as we continue on in the series that we're doing uh, called Doing. And uh, it's all about following Jesus and being disciples of Jesus and what that looks like. And we're just getting started. We're going to do another introduction this week. And then uh, in the weeks ahead, we're going to be digging through the Gospel of Matthew together to look and see what it is that disciples do. Um, before we go there, I, I have this little story I want to tell you. These three brothers, um, they'd all grown up, they'd left home, started careers, and they'd all been fairly successful. And they were having dinner together, and they were discussing the gifts that they were giving their mom for her 75th birthday. And the first brother says, you know what, I built a big house for mom. And the second brother says, I sent her an expensive car with a driver. And the third brother says, hey, you guys remember how much mom enjoys reading the Bible? Well, since she doesn't see so well anymore, I sent her a remarkable parrot that recites scripture. It took a team of monks 12 years to teach the parrot the entire Bible. Mom just has to name the chapter and verse and the parrot will say it. After her birthday, the mom sent thank you letters to her sons. To the first she wrote, the house you built me is nice, but way too big. I live in just one room, but I still have to clean the whole place. To the second, she wrote, the car is beautiful, but I really don't enjoy traveling anymore. And besides, the driver drives way too fast. To the third son, she wrote, thank you so much for the wonderful gift. That little chicken you sent me was delicious. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Okay. So, we're... (laughs) We're in this series called Doing, about doing what Jesus did, about following him, about what it means to be a disciple. Doing is what should spring forth from a life of being in relationship with God and others. And we talked about that last week in the first part of this introduction. Um, And I left you last week talking about the heart of a disciple. And we, we talked about a couple parables in the Gospel of Matthew uh, about the, the, the hidden treasure, the treasure in the field, and the, and the pearl of great price. And that these are pictures of a heart of a disciple, one who is chosen to follow Jesus and realizes that it's the, the best thing, that nothing else even compares to that kind of life. And that life is found in, in being a disciple of Jesus. I want to dig a little deeper into that process today, and we're going to look at some scripture in Matthew chapter 4 together and talk about uh, uh, the process of developing the heart of a disciple. And so our scripture reading today is Matthew 4, verses 17 through 20. This is out of the NIV, and it says that uh, this, From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. And at once they left their nets and followed him. And blessed be the word of the Lord. In these verses, I think we see a picture of, of what the heart of a disciple uh, is, looks like in its development and what we're supposed to follow. And so let's hop in to this discussion. And it all starts with repentance. The first point in your note there is that we need to repent. Matthew 4.17 uh, again says, From that time on, Jesus began to re- preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. 
Now, that word repent is a very interesting word, and we might have some different ideas about what it means to repent. But true biblical repentance is a change of mind, a change of purpose, and a change of life. It's a change of mind, a change of purpose, and a change of life. And I want to talk about those elements today um, in, in, in what that looks like. And so let's start by talking about what a change of mind is really all about. And I want to get back to something that we talked about last week and something that we talked about in our last series. And, and so your second point is this, this very, very powerful question. Do you want to get well? It was a question that Jesus asked the, the, the invalid at the pool of Bethesda in John chapter 5. And, and uh, it's a... It's a a question that we all need to think about in our lives because the answer to that question has a significant impact on the way that you choose to live. John 5, 6. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he'd been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, Do you want to get well? Now, you think, well, what do you mean? Wouldn't everybody answer that? Well, see, the question as it's posed to us is this, and this is what we need to think about in our minds. Um, do you want to get well? Or do you just want to get by? And see, there's a significant difference in how you look at this thing. Because um, one, of them, one of the responses is very temporary and the other is very eternal. And so it's, it's do you want to be whole, healed in your life? Or do you just want what you think you want in order to feel better? And see, this is a significant question that we have to dig down deep with in our own hearts and minds to figure out what the answer is. Because what we tend to want, what most of us tend to want by nature, is um, pain-free, white picket fence living. And we want to hear that we can have it now. And yet the promises for tear-free, pain-free living are eternal. They're, they're in Revelation. I can show you where they are. And they're promises of something that's coming, but isn't here yet. Now, we get breakthroughs of really cool stuff now, but the, this, this ain't as good as it gets. And, and so, the heart of a disciple will choose getting well over just feeling better. And, and we've got to process this through in our lives. Because a lot of times... We'll settle for the easy fix, the quick fix, what we think is going to be the most pain-free. That's what we think we want, because we think we want to feel better. But the heart of a disciple wants to get well. And so this choice can really only be understood um, by thinking about our purpose. Um, and, and, you know, I said part of repentance is having a change of purpose. And in the next two points that I want to talk into, I'm hoping to give you some real... Sort of food for thought over the next week. Because again, this is kind of an introduction into the heart of a disciple, what it means to be a disciple. These are things that you need to think about. You need to think about that question. Honestly, do you really want to get well? Or do you really, have you spent most of your life just trying to get by and you just want whatever you think it is you want to feel better? Or do you want to get well? Even if sometimes getting well is difficult. Sometimes it's hard. But what do you want in life? And so... Our purpose has to change from living for ourselves, thinking that the world kind of revolves around us and having that mindset, to realizing that we're created 
for his purposes. There's a, a, a little verse that I didn't make it into your notes. You can go and look it up later, Ephesians 2.10. It says, we're God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. See, we have a purpose that he's created us for. But it's not usually the purpose most of us are living for. And we have, to, we have to process this whole thing. See, the repentance is not, it's more than a change of mind. It's also a change of purpose. And, and I want to talk about a couple of things in this change of purpose that I really think you need to think about and process. And, and so the next two points will have this change of purpose in mind. One of the things I want to talk about today is the longing for heaven. Third point, a longing for heaven. Second Corinthians 5, verses 1 through 5. This is the Apostle Paul. He says, now, we know... That if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life." Now it is God who has made us for this very purpose and has given us the Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Now, I talk about this longing for heaven, and I don't think that, that oftentimes people have thought about it enough or, or know what it kind of looks like or feels like in our lives. But deep within each one of us is a longing for heaven. Um, we know deep down that there's something better that we're not experiencing. You, you know it. In, in the deepest part of you, you know it. There's something more. And, and no matter how hard we try to make everything work, it just never does. There's still this deep, empty place. And we try and fill that emptiness with all sorts of things in life. Um, and some seem like pretty good things. We, we think, you know what, we'll just get really busy. We're going to stay busy all the time. We're going to push really hard. We're going to go, 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 go. And in some way, we're just going to be too busy to even never tap into this kind of empty thing that pops up every now and again. Or um, we, we may try and deaden it because we just can't deal with it. We don't seem to be able to fix it. And so people turn to all sorts of other alternatives. They turn to drugs or alcohol, immorality, pornography, pornography, you name it. They just turn to all sorts of stuff that's no good for them at all, um, trying to sort of figure out what's happening. Sometimes um, this longing is as simple as uh, trying to recreate... Uh, memories that you have in your past that seem to represent better times. And, and most of us over time, um, with our memories, our memories become really better than they actually were when they happened. And because we filter out all the mess that went along with it. And I think, you know, it's, it's this, um, it's why, you know, nostalgic TV shows are so popular. They come on and it sort of resonates with someone about a time in the past, a better time, and they have a longing for what they think that time represents. Sometimes that can happen with certain music that pops up or, or even, you know, certain smells, you know, of food or, or something, something triggers something and it takes you back and there's this, there's this thing that, well, that was a much better time and if I could just tap back into that somehow, then everything's gonna feel better. Uh, I think it's the driving force behind, you know, people always trying to create Martha Stewart Thanksgiving and Christmases. 
You know the amount of work we put into making those holidays work right? And they never do. You know what I mean? It's always like, huh. Because, see, it's, it's not really what we're shooting at. The, the reality is that the longing for heaven cannot be satisfied this side of heaven. You can't. You're never going to satisfy it. It's, it's going to be there. And it's supposed to be there. See, we get a, the, the scripture says that you want to have the spirit of God guaranteeing, a deposit guaranteeing heaven. We get taste of it, but this ain't heaven. And you can't achieve it here. It, it, there's always going to be something in your deepest knower that's going to say something's not right here. And that's true. It's not. Something's not right. And so, it's a, it's a reminder that this is not our home. And, and rather than be consumed by trying to satisfy that longing now, which is very temporary and very selfish and what gets us in trouble all the time, what we have to do, what we need to do is, is the fourth point. We need to be mourning the brokenness. We need to be mourning the brokenness. See, and that's your fourth point, uh, mourning the brokenness. The reality we, we have to face and embrace is that we live in a fallen world on a broken planet. And everything is broken here, including us. Boy, that's cheery news, isn't it? Everything's broken. I'm broken. Everything around me is broken. Everything surrounding me is temporary. All the stuff that I turn to to try and fix my life is temporary. We've talked about this. The only things eternal are our relationships. So everything else is temporary. Second Corinthians 5, those same verses I read to you, this time in the message paraphrase. I, I want you to hear the, the, the brokenness. For instance, we know that when these bodies of ours are taken down like tents and folded away, they'll be replaced by resurrection bodies in heaven. God made, not handmade. And we'll never have to relocate our tents again. Sometimes we can hardly wait to move. And so we cry out in frustration. Compared to what's coming, living conditions around here seem like a stopover in an unfurnished shack. And we're tired of it. We've been given a glimpse of the real thing, our true home, our resurrection bodies. The Spirit of God whets our appetite by giving us a taste of what's ahead. He puts a little of a heaven in our hearts so that we'll never settle for less. See, if we're, if we're focused on living for ourselves... Then, then what happens is we take every reminder of the brokenness personally. It's like an attack on our plans that we have to try and make everything work. And so every time we're trying to make everything work, every time something doesn't work, we get personal. We think it's, and we get mad. We get upset. We, and we go all sorts of ways with that. We, you know, we think, well, you know, um, uh, why, is, uh, uh, why does it always happen to me? You ever said that? only happens to me, this bad stuff. Nobody else ever deals with this bad stuff. My, you know, my, every time I get close to achieving my plans, everything falls apart. Maybe God's mad at me. That's what God's mad at me. He's punishing me. I've done something wrong. Or maybe he's just really mean. God's mean. And we have these thoughts, see, because we're, we're not, we don't mourn the brokenness. We're just mad about it. Because we're still trying desperately to, to fix it. See, we're stuck because we think we can fix it. We want pain-free, white picket fence living. And all of our plans are in place. God, why wouldn't you just do, you know, that this is a good plan? Why aren't you following it? And we get all upside down and inside out over these things. But see, this isn't heaven. 
And, and, and yes, you have a legitimate longing for it to be. It's coming, but this ain't it. And this is not as good as it gets. And, and, and so everything's broken. We have to remember that. Our sin is ultimately the cause of brokenness. And if you need someone to get mad at, get mad at the evil one. He's, he's the deceiver who, who lied to us in the garden, told us we could be like God. He's, you know, as a result of listening to him and doing what we shouldn't have done and making poor choices, we got kicked out of paradise. He's the one who continues to deceive us into thinking that somehow we can make it all work now, which is just like us trying to be God all over again. Do you get it? The, the perpetual cycle? Well, if God's good, that's what he did. He still does it. If God's good, why is this stuff happening to you? It's happening because you messed it up. <laughs> and I bought into it and messed it up with you. And, and I have a longing created inside of me for, for what I know is supposed to be. I'm, I'm created in the image of God. I know that there's something better. And, and I can't get it here. And I can either get mad about it, or I can just mourn the brokenness. Sin happened. I, my fault. I've done it too. And then somehow I don't become a victim there, but in mourning the brokenness rather than fighting it, I don't have to take everything as as a personal attack. Things break here. Nothing is forever. Things don't work out. All the time, things don't work out. I hear bad news all the time. Tragedies, horrible. I can't friends going through stuff. And I just go, oh God. I do my oh God, oh God, oh God prayer because I don't want it to happen. I I don't want people to go through hard things. I don't want to go through hard things. But it's because it's not heaven yet. This ain't it. Created for it. It's coming. But this ain't it. And so I, I have to mourn it. I, I, I have to realize it's, it's a reminder. See, I have to go from, from fighting it to recognizing it's just a reminder that this ain't heaven. And then, then I remember that God made a way for me. See, so I don't have to be, I'm not down because of it. I, it's a reminder that God made a way for me and he brought me back to the relationship that I had before the fall. And he's going to restore everything else to that point in the future. He's already restored my relationship with him. I'm his forever. I still got to deal with brokenness here, but, but I'm on track to be with him. And see, when I begin to realize that, this is where the change of purpose comes in. This is repentance. Change of mind. Do I really want to get well? Yeah, I really do. Change of purpose. It's not all about me. He did not create me to live a life that's all about me. He didn't create me to live a life of, uh, you know, total pain-free suffering, non-existent, everything working out all the time life. just didn't. He created me for his purposes. And see, that's what has to change. You were created for a greater purpose. There is a greater purpose than, than spending your entire energy trying to make everything work out for you. You were created to follow him. See, you, see, you change your mind. Do you really want to get well? Are you going to keep stuck in this place where you're just trying to feel better? Are you going to change your purpose? Is it about you or is it about him? And, and then the last point, point number five. See, Jesus invites us to come and follow him. That's what he says. Come and follow me. So we have a change of mind as we decide, do we want to be healed or are we going to settle for just trying to feel better? We have a change of purpose as we go from realizing that this longing for heaven cannot be satisfied here and, and we need to quit making it our focus. We need to quit trying to fix everything that's broken. Uh, understanding that brokenness is a reminder that this isn't as good as it gets and that we're created for a greater purpose 
which leads us to a change of life. And it's that understanding that helps us to realize that life is found in being a disciple. Matthew 4, 19 and 20. Uh, Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. And at once, Peter and Andrew both left their nets and followed him. At once. See, they got it. See, it's a change of life perspective from the temporary to the eternal. They went from fishermen to fishers of men. It's significant that you catch that little thing that happened there. They went from fishermen to fishers of men as they followed him. They went from selfish to selfless, from self-centered to other-centered, from having to being. Um, That's what repentance looks like. And that's how the heart of a disciple is developed. And so next week we'll start digging in more into Matthew 6. Matthew 5 we did in the, in the whole series called Being. We're going to move in. And, and Jesus starts laying out what it looks like to be a disciple. He starts talking about, well, this is what disciples do. Once, once the heart of a disciple has begun its process in you, then this is what you do. This is what it looks like. And we'll talk about that. But I want you to really think about these things in life. I think, for, you know, these <laughs> This process will help you in a lot of your struggles. Because it, you, you finally realize that what you're struggling against, you're never going to fix. And, and the things that you're turning to, to try and find pain relief, don't work. But what does work is following Jesus. Becoming his disciple. Because that's where life is. If you want to find life, you've got to lose it. You've got to let this other thing go. This, this change of purpose this didn't work wasn't all about you anyway. He loves you and wants to be in relationship with you forever, but it doesn't revolve around you. It revolves around him. He wants you in his story as an adjective, not as a noun. There's only one noun in his story. We've talked about that. That's him. But we're adjectives invited into the story. It's a great story that you can be a part of. As you follow him. And that's where life is found. So think about those things. Let's run through that this week. When things, when things are breaking, you know, and all of a sudden, it, um, you know how easy it is to take that stuff personally, isn't it? I mean, you know, the other day I was driving and my air conditioner quit working. It was, a, it was about a month ago. And it just kicked off. And it does that from time to time. And I just had to turn my, my truck off and turn it back on and it starts working again. It's a common problem with the type of truck that I have. And all of a sudden, after a long trip, it, it wouldn't do that anymore. My little trick to fix it didn't work. And it, it doesn't just not work. It blows hot air. Like, I could live with it if it didn't work. <laughs> but it blows hot air. And I, I took it, you know, initially I got so mad at my truck blowing hot. You know how something said? And, and now here's, here's where ultimately I went. So I'm telling on myself because I got over it. And at some point I thought to myself, here's one of those... America problems again, because this isn't a problem in most of the world. They don't even have air conditioning. You know what I mean? They'd be, <laughs> they'd be so happy to have something that was motorized, no matter what it looked like, because I've been to those countries. That wouldn't even be an issue. And here I am all, you know, I can't believe it, you know. And, and, uh, and I, wait, wait, wait. It's a stupid air conditioner. It means nothing. And it's a reminder to me. That everything breaks. It's all temporary. And it's, if it'll get fixed or it won't, it doesn't even make any difference. I can roll the windows down. At least the window's not stuck. I had a car like that one time where you couldn't... <laughs> not only did the air conditioner not work, the window didn't roll down. <laughs> you couldn't go very far in that car. <laughs> but uh, good news, 
three days later, it started working again. So, you know, it all... But see, do you get, you know what I mean? It's like, it's nothing. This is such a silly thing to get upset about. It's just broken. I'm broken. But it's not where I find life. Because even if everything's working, life, it's not not there. So I want you to think about this stuff. That that in you, if you haven't been able to tap into that before, there's a longing for heaven. God, God put it there. And you can't get there yet. You get tastes as a reminder that it's coming. But it's broken. And it, you should mourn it. You can't fix it. It's hard. But it's the reality. But that doesn't make us victims. We go, okay, so then I want to live differently. How do I live? And we live for him. And that's where we find life. And so that's all part of the process of developing the heart of a disciple. We're going to pick up next week in Matthew 6. We're going to start looking at what disciples do. So if you want to read ahead, you can read through Matthew 6. We'll be in the first half of that chapter uh, next week. And uh, I look forward to doing it with you. So, that's enough for today. If you're watching on TV or by video, thank you for watching. If there's anything we can do, you can call us, write us, email us. We'd love to hear from you. And, uh, and so, get in touch with us. We're going to close here with prayer. And then we'll, uh, we'll be done.